Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. It is 12.46 a.m. Sunday night slash Monday morning and today was awesome. It was our two-year anniversary slash birthday, however you want to think of it. I think I want to think of it like a birthday. Uh, To celebrate, we had an awesome service and then afterwards, we actually had an old school potluck for any of you who grew up going to church, maybe, you know, the Lutheran church in your neighborhood or the Methodist church down the street or whatever. We were totally channeling those vibes today. Uh, we even called the room that we were in the fellowship hall. So that was really cool. Uh, shout out to everybody who brought some food. There was some seriously delicious stuff in there today. And I totally like ate like crazy. So thank you for feeding me. (laughs) Um, I'm already looking forward to next year. Hopefully we can do the potluck again. It was super cool. I loved it. I loved seeing everybody hanging out like in the church building afterwards. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming. Um, today's message is awesome. A couple things to note first. Uh, I made two mistakes. seems like I can't stop making mistakes these days when it comes to tech. Somehow I stopped the recording of the audio on my computer, so I wasn't able to multi-track the files, which is annoying, but no big deal. I can just grab it from YouTube. However, uh, the live stream, oh, I'm gonna yawn. Ah! I'm gonna leave that in just for you. I'm not gonna take that out. Anyway, the live stream audio was like way too loud this week for some reason, I just, with all the things going on, I, I never really got back there to monitor it and make sure it wasn't crazy. And it was crazy. So I'm sorry. Uh, Hannah's uh, voice is going to sound a little bit distorted whenever she gets excited. So I'm sorry about that. Forgive me. Um, it's not too terrible. Just kind of stick with it. And I think I'll get used to it. <laughs> and maybe next week I won't mess up. Let's pray about that. How's that sound? Dear Lord. Don't let Jarrett mess up the audio next week. Um, Okay, the message today is insanely good. I was talking to Hannah today. Um, So for our two-year anniversary, you know, there's a million different things you could talk about. So naturally, she decided to talk about the budget. And I was just like, you know, if you'd told me that you would talk about the budget and would actually be really, really good, I wouldn't have believed you. Like, if we had a planning session and she told me this is what she wanted to do, I would have said, no, that's dumb. That's a terrible idea. You got to talk about something other than money. But uh, she talked about money a little bit, like not the whole time, but a big part of it was um, money and how much has been donated, how much we've given away and kind of what we're hoping the future will look like. And it all just kind of weaved together into this beautiful vision of what we think different church has been and what it can be. And so don't be turned off by the fact that we mentioned money a little bit, just, um, kind of stick with it and you will, I think really find a lot of value in what she has to say. Uh, I, I loved it. Like I said, I I was texting her and I said, I thought it was brilliant. So I hope you really love it. Also bonus at the end of the episode, I actually left a song in, uh, we sang the greatest, the greatest showman. We sang, this is me from the greatest showman. And for the first time ever, we included a quote unquote choir of people from different, um, give it up for Hannah who sings frequently, but, uh, Joe 
Isaac and Raina jumped up, and so we had a little four-person choir on the side uh, accompanying Guiana and the band, and it came out so good. So make sure you listen all the way to the end and listen to This Is Me. And now, this is Hannah. Our passage of scripture comes from the book of John in the New Testament, and it is recorded as the first miracle that Jesus performed, and it is when he turns water into wine. Is anyone familiar with this story? Okay, we're going to read it together, and then we're going to discuss. This is John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration, and the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. This makes me laugh every time I read it. Dear woman, that's not our problem. <laughs> Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Can you, like, that's just so human of Jesus. Be like, mom, it's not my problem. Leave me alone. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing, and each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out, take it to the master of ceremonies. They followed his instructions, and when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that had turned into wine, not knowing where it had came from, even though the servants knew, he called the groom over, and he said, a host always serves the best wine first. And then, I'm going to change this, I'm going to paraphrase, okay? And then, when everyone is drunk, they bring out the cheap stuff, because right. <laughs> then no one will know. Uh, but you kept the best until now. And this miraculous sign at Cana and Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and the disciples believed in him. Jeff, can I have my water bottle? I feel parched. <laughs> I promise it's water, it's not wine. Jesus has not turned this into anything. Okay, now, Jesus is going to be the subject of our conversation from now until Easter, um, which may be good or bad to you. <laughs> maybe Jesus is new to you or familiar like family, and maybe you're bored of Jesus and don't understand why Christians are just so obsessed with talking about him all the time. Um, or maybe you just love Jesus and Jesus is the best. Whatever you think you know about Jesus, just want you to put it on hold. We do this a lot here. We just take what we think we know and just put it on hold so that we can let the text speak for itself and then try to interpret it through the lens of inclusion and equality and affirmation for all people. Now, the story of Jesus turning water into wine has all of the elements that we shall come to know and love in the book of John over the next few weeks. It seems to be about water and wine, but really it's about transformation. And transformation is this different dimension of reality that occurs when Jesus is present. John, the writer, is always trying to put this theme in the front of our mind. Transformation is what happens when we encounter Jesus we encounter God. And it's actually quite fitting, I think, that John starts the whole book with a wedding, feast, a celebration. Nothing in the book of John is there by accident. It is a very specifically crafted work of art, and John is trying to get his point across in every word. And everything that is in there is there for a reason and can be understood on a deeper level. So like, here's a few tidbits. The wedding feast in chapter two is a foretaste of the great heavenly feast that's in store for God's people later. The six giant pots that can hold all these gallons, they're used for Jewish purification rites. That's what makes you clean, okay? And John uses them here as a sign that God is doing something new within the old Jewish system to make Israel and the whole world clean. The wedding itself is in a town where Nathaniel, which is one of Jesus' 12 disciples, lives, which is why the, the entire village got invited, and probably people from neighboring towns, which is why Mary and Jesus and his friends get to go. And running out of wine 
is not just inconvenient. It's not like, well, now we have a cash bar. <laughs> it's like a social disgrace. Like the family would have to live with this shame for a long time. And the married couple would be like, well, that's bad luck. You brought bad luck on our whole marriage by running out of wine. So what ha happened was Jesus is like, oh, tell these, put this water in this pots, go take it to the guy. I assume it was a guy. Everything was a guy back then. <laughs> take it to the guy and presto, wine. Not just any wine, fancy wine. Now, I want us to think of the ridiculousness of the scale here. There are six pots. They can hold up to 30 gallons each. That's 180 gallons of wine. Picture a gallon in your head, like a gallon of milk. Do they sell gallons of wine? Like maybe at the gas station, the one that smells like feet? <laughs> 180 gallons of wine. How much are these people drinking? You're like, oh no, did you hear that click? That's it unhooking from the back. <laughs> I may have to steal Jared's microphone. <laughs> um, Jesus made 180 gallons. And also, what's the point? What's the point of this? Is it that Jesus brings the party? Is it that Jesus' mom talks him into performing a miracle when he didn't want to, so we should really listen to our parents and honor them? Is it so that in the 21st century, after we've had temperance and prohibition, we can be like, definitively, in the Bible, it's okay to drink? No. No and no. <laughs> no to all three of those. Have you ever read the Bible and wondered why there seems to be approximately one billion festivals per year? Like, these people are always partying. They just go from one festival to the next. And weddings were a huge deal. Why? Well, there's a couple like historical reasons such as this is the way culture worked and like ancient, almost ancient religions in that time like celebrated all throughout the year. But I'm gonna give you a really practical reason. Life sucked. <laughs> Life was really hard. And like, I'm not joking. Like imagine living in a time where your food for the next year was dependent on what you could grow or your town could grow. If there was a drought, could be famine. Something attacked your crops? Well, you just don't eat. Food was not a secure resource. Water was not clean. It was often contaminated. It led to all kinds of diseases and illnesses. Rome was an incredibly violent society. War or occupation of some kind was a constant reality for these people. The mortality rate, like one quarter to one third of infants died before they reached 12 months old. It was so common that they didn't even have, at least in Roman culture, a mourning period before a baby was 12 months old, if it died. If you factor in the infant mortality rate, the life expectancy in ancient Rome was about 30 years. If you take out the infant mortality rate, it gets a little bit better, you might live to middle age, or if you're especially lucky, 60. That is, of course, provided that you don't get conscripted into fighting in a war, in which case your chances go way down, again. Life was hard and really short, like, the life expectancy of 30, man, I got one foot on a gr in the grave right now. <laughs> when the other foot's on a banana peel. <laughs> it's just very tenuous. When we quote biblical phrases like, oh, life is a vapor, just passes in the blink of an eye, like, we, we mean that there's no guarantee for tomorrow, right? For ancient people, this was a very sober reality. So we say tomorrow isn't guaranteed, because, like, we might get in a car accident or, like, I don't know, trip over a curb or choke on a bread crust, I don't know. Like, life isn't guaranteed, anything could happen. That's what we mean. And life goes fast. 
not downplaying that, but in the ancient world, you could die from a hangnail. Like, quite literally. You get a scratch, and it gets infected, you're done for. Or you could just die from being in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> near a bunch of soldiers. Life was really hard, and everyone worked really hard at just surviving most of the time. And to break up that monotony, they celebrated a lot. Anything that could be celebrated <laughs> was celebrated. They celebrated family, religion, harvest time. They're like, oh, it's harvest. We're having a party. Uh, religion, politics, any of that. And weddings were this like ultimate type of celebration in ancient culture involving everyone in the town and nearby towns, and it could last for days on end. It was no like, well, we have the ceremony at 5, and everyone goes home at 10 after we do the sparklers. No. <laughs> days. You could have a week straight of a party. Now you begin to understand why they needed 180 gallons of wine. Although, truly, like, were ancient people tougher than us? I mean, no, because they died. But also, I couldn't, my body would not handle <laughs> seven days of a party. It's too much. I pretty much can't handle staying up past 10 p.m. <laughs> and Jesus, who's just attending the wedding with his friend, he gets told by his mother to do something about the wine being out. Now, we aren't told why they ran out of wine. Maybe everyone was getting cray. Or maybe they did not plan well enough. Or maybe some people who RSVP'd no decided they needed some party time. But Mary, Jesus' mom, says, do something. Which to me means, this is a sidebar. She actually knew he could do something. Otherwise, why would she be telling him that? I know this is listed as Jesus' first miracle. But like, why would, why would Mary think that Jesus could do anything about this situation if he hadn't already done something to make her be like, oh, He's got powers. <laughs> That's probably not what she thought. <laughs> Sometimes this is interpreted, Jesus actually responds, again, hilarious. <laughs> my time has not yet come. Dear woman, this is not my problem. <laughs> my time has not yet come. And we can be like, oh, Jesus wasn't ready to take the leap into public ministry, and his mom just pushed him off the cliff. Um, but I think it's deeper than that because none of the words in John are there by accident. The phrase, my time has not yet come, it references so many other instances in the same book to Jesus' time until at last the time does come and human evil and God's mercy meet on the cross. That is the time. And Jesus' death on this cross is this ultimate moment of transformation where heaven and earth meet, and that's the moment when it takes all the faith in the world <laughs> to see this miracle hidden in the darkness because God's self, God's unending love and creativity and goodness are presented to us as a helpless, dying human being, which is mind-boggling. And Jesus addresses all kinds of issues and problems in John's gospel, but we can already see this strange compassion that he has when people are in need, and Jesus deals with it in an unexpected way. Jesus knows life is hard. He's living it. He knows the celebration will be ruined by running out of wine. He knows it will make the family and the married couple sad <laughs> on one of the only moments in their life where they're supposed to be filled only with happiness. And he cares enough about the situation to do something. He takes ordinary water, turns it into wine, party continues, no one is phased or even knows about it except the servants, Jesus, Mary, and a couple of Jesus' friends. And that's why I want to pause for a moment and talk about different church. Because in 2019, Jared and I came face to face with the reality of how hard it is for a lot of people to be in church. 
Like we were just living our lives, going along, being quietly affirming in a faith space that was not affirming. And we might have even said, or at least acted like, Jesus in verse four. Dear woman, that's not my problem. Our job is to serve the people we have here and do the Lord's work in the space we find ourselves in and we're doing good and blah, 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 right? Um, I can only speak for myself here, of course, and I very much hesitate to use phrases like, God called me. Because mostly when people say that, I think it's crap. (laughs) I'll tell you how I really feel. (laughs) Because that phrase has been used to justify a lot of harmful theology and like extensions of colonization and like shutting people out. But I don't know how else to explain how we wound up here. God called us to this. Or maybe a different way of putting that would be God insisted that this happen. (laughs) Um, God kicked me in the butt. And not gently, okay? (laughs) Because I was like nervous. Jarrett was like, we just started church. And I was like, are you insane? Are you actually insane? I should commit you. (laughs) God finally forced me into looking, like really looking at all the people that the regular church discards and harms and shuts out by making me into one of the people that the church discarded and shut out. And I couldn't not do something any longer. So we started different, Jarrett and I and Bree, who some of you know, and a few dear friends and our families. And our mission statement was, and still is, and will always be, that we are a community of questioners dedicated to exploring faith in Jesus, love for our neighbor, and inclusion for all. And the fact that this is our two-year anniversary is like mind-blowing to me. Because the majority of church plants don't survive past their second birthday. And the number's even lower when you're talking about churches that are not part of an institution or denomination, (laughs) denomination or organization. But we're here? We're not just here, like we're here, (laughs) y'all. We held our first official service here in this building on March 1st of 2020. And then three weeks later, (laughs) global lockdown. So we've been through that and like online church and like 27 waves of COVID and me being pregnant and having a baby who's like walking around now, what is life? And we've been through so much in such a short time and I've like never been happier about where my life has taken me. This is so meaningful and special and extraordinary. And so, on our second anniversary, I'm going to give you our 2021 financial report. (laughs) If this makes you nervous, go, it's fine. Okay, we have financial honesty policy. We will always tell you what's going on here. Um, And so you would be getting this any day, but it's today. So, in 2021, total donations we received, $106,030.19. That's almost identical to 2020, just so you know. Um, Minus one large donation in 2020 that helped us get going. Of that, we gave back to our community (laughs) $13,066.58. We give away 10% of all donations we receive if it comes in. We take 10% off the top, we put it in a separate bank account until we give it back. We operate on only 90% of donations received. And the rest of it, I have a handy dandy pie chart Hopefully you can read it. Um, It says that roughly 20% of our budget went to rent. 
so we can have a space to meet, 25% to payroll, 25% to creative arts, and the remainder to all kinds of miscellaneous expenses, such as insurance, accounting, buying speakers, when the opera speakers that we were using mysteriously disappeared, <laughs> goldfish for the babies, coffee, bank fees, anything like that is in the mis miscellaneous category. If you have specific questions, please ask me. We ended the year with expenses of $111,337. That means we spent roughly $5,800 more than we brought in. Um, actually, technically, we spent like $5,200 more than we brought in cash money. But did you know that owning stuff means you lose money? <laughs> it's called depreciation expense. <laughs> so, you know, said speakers <laughs> cost us money just because we own them. They're now worthless, which apparently is an expense. This is why I am not in charge of the accounting, because that to me is like, how dare you? <laughs> So I'm really excited about that. And let me tell you why. Because I have been on staff as a full-time employee of Different Church for nine months now. The board and myself took this like, leap of faith in June last year, and I was working full-time at a law firm and doing Different Church in my spare time. <laughs> Which, what was that? I was pregnant. <laughs> I was sleeping all the time. And it was originally going to be a six-month like, trial period just to see where we were to see if we had enough money to sustain that because we had enough in savings to cover six months of a full-time employee. Um, and we just took a leap of faith and decided that Different needed somebody to dedicate time to her. And if somebody could give her more time and attention, she might grow a little bit. Well, it's been nine months. And for six out of the nine months, there was enough donations coming in to cover all of our operating expenses and a payroll. We dipped into savings for about $5,800, which to me is like the most exciting thing on the planet. Because in June last year, I was like, this is, the <laughs> this is terrifying. And God just kept bringing to the, my mind this word, trust. Just trust. Like I brought you this far. You didn't think different church was going to survive, and then you started it. And then you didn't think we were going to survive the pandemic, and then we just kept going. And now we're here. And look what God has done. But also, like, God insisted that we exist, and also we ex still exist because of y'all. Because God has sustained us through you. So the question is, what now? Because we could just continue doing exactly this, and it would be great. Like, I love this. To me, this is the most exciting thing. This is the best thing. To see your faces on Sunday morning, to do music. Like, it's just amazing. And... I have this dream of what different church could be. And I want to share it with you because maybe you have a similar dream. So in my mind, if I could picture like what different church would look like, no holds barred, like money is not an issue, we could do whatever we wanted. This is what I see. Us having a permanent space in St. Petersburg that we could use all week. <laughs> now this could be like a commercial lease or us owning a space potentially, but I specifically mean a permanent space in this area, not downtown, not at the beach, like this is our spot. The opera has been such an incredible partner to us. Like I am so grateful for them, but we are only able to be here on Sunday mornings because they are a fully functioning opera company. So that really limits what we can do. I have absolutely zero desire to turn Different Church into this mega church that has a billion programs running all the time, and it's like a machine that just eats everyone up. I don't wanna do that. But I do have a, this idea, like this dream of a multi-purpose space that can actually be used during the week that's not just closed for six days and opens on Sundays, or, you know, 
six and a half, open Sunday morning and Wednesday night. What a great use of space. <laughs> um, where we could have church on Sundays, but we could also invite the community in for the rest of the week. Like, I would love to be able to host groups and events that are free or really super low cost that actually help the community. Like, we just fund them. Like, oh, I know a person who's really amazing at budgeting. We're going to pay them to host a budget class for the community that is free, that people can just come to and learn something that will actually add value to their life, and we're not going to try to convert them the whole time. I would love to have resources available to the community, such as parenting groups and budget and finance classes and events and learning spaces for kids and outreach to the LGBT plus community. I also have this like little side vision of like a separate, quiet, little beautiful chapel room that like has soft lighting where people could get married if they want to and also just like a space for meditation and prayer. Like if you just need a space to sit in the quiet on your lunch break, you could just go sit there. Y'all know that mental health is like one of our central tenants here? I hope you do, you better know. <laughs> if you've been around at all. Um, I would love to one day be able to hire a counselor. Like pay them a full-time living wage that values their talents so that we can provide mental health services to people who need it at either free or like really reduced cost because one of the barriers for people, and I hear this all the time, is it's just too expensive. It's really expensive. I want to fix it. I want to fix part of that. <laughs> I have a lot of nervous energy right now. <laughs> you clapping made me, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Some of y'all know I crochet and knit because I'm a 90 year old lady. <laughs> just living my best life. <laughs> um, what you may not know is I actually design crochet patterns. This has been like a side hustle for years. So I have a pattern in the works right now. It's called the belong rep. And it was inspired by a dear friend of mine who never felt like she belonged in her biological family, as well as all of the stories that I have been privileged enough to hear from all of you who haven't felt like you belonged at church or in faith spaces, or having any kind of relationship with God. And I just finished it this week, and I want to show it to you, because in my grand, giant dreams for different church, I have a small dream of hanging this. I have a small dream of having a tiny office. <laughs> and I have a big dream of hanging this in the office. Right, like front and center, like this. So that every person who comes to chat or to meet with me or just casually stops by has no questions about where we stand on inclusion and affirmation. Of all people, but especially the LGBT plus community because of how they've been treated by the church. Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually freezing, <laughs> so you know, I'll just bring my own sweater, thanks. <laughs> um, I want to share with you some words that were written by our lovely dear friend Mike, and some of you know Mike and Rich. They have been with us since before Different Church existed. They have been with us from day one. They're not here because they had to go to a wedding. <laughs> and Mike loves the song, This Is Me, that we just did. 
And when he found out we were doing it today, he was like, how dare you <laughs> do this on a Sunday that I can't be here? And he wrote these words, and I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to share them with permission and hopefully not cry my whole way through it. Okay, this is what he said. Why I love the song, This Is Me. This is me as an anthem song to me. The opening lyrics, I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. I am a gay man. I was bullied daily starting as early as junior high school. This culminated with me getting jumped and beaten by three people while the rest of the class watched and cheered them on. So I can relate to the story the song is telling, feeling unloved and like I need to hide because no one could ever accept me. And things got worse. A couple of months later, my stepmom kicked me out of the house. My church told me I was going to burn in hell for being gay. And keep in mind, I didn't even know if I was gay or not. Like everyone that age, I was confused and trying to figure things out. The friends I had dropped me. They didn't want to be as guilty by associating with someone like me. I ended up going to three high schools. My life was miserable, and I was in such a dark place. Music has always helped me a lot. In fact, it's something I can now proudly share my husband and I have in common. Music and the song This Is Me got me to the point where I could be strong to the magical place where it starts to get better. It's been almost 32 years since that terrible day. The LGBTQ community has grown. We are presence now. We're standing up for ourselves, making our voices heard no matter how many times we are attacked. This song proclaims that no matter how dark it's been, we can seek the light. We can stand up, we can hold our head high and be our true authentic selves. And I am so proud that Different Church is a place that I can say, this is me. I am welcomed, I am accepted, I am loved. Plus, how many other churches would even dare to do a song like this? I'm just bummed I won't be there in person to see Guiana and the band rock it out. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> I can't do this. The fact that we are a safe space for Mike means everything to me. It should mean everything to you too, because you're part of that. This is my dream for different. I want people to know they can belong here. I want people to know they can find a safe space to explore faith here. I want people to know that God isn't mad at them, but is waiting with open arms to go on the journey of life with them. I want all the people that the church has tossed aside, the tired, the emotionally worn out, the deconstructing, the ragey, the utterly fed up people. I want the dear queer ones who've been told they're wrong and the equally dear straight ones who don't understand why church and faith are such a struggle. I want the ones who feel like they haven't belonged because I want to give them space to bloom. Jesus cared enough about the situation to do something about it. We care enough about the situation to do something about it. I care enough to dedicate my life to this. Dang. I'm like, 
Earlier this morning, I was like, I am not getting emotional. <sighs> Didn't work. I can't help it. If it seems like this is important to me, that's because it is. <laughs> um, this is the most important thing I've ever done. Maybe aside from becoming a mom. And I know all of this is a lot. Like, we're not going to get there overnight. I promise not to overextend our capabilities <laughs> and our budget. Like, we would like to start with working towards the goal of our own space that we can use. Currently in our savings account, we have about $49,000. That may seem like a huge amount of money to you, or it may seem like nothing. To me, it's a lot of money. But apparently, in terms of securing a commercial lease and a build-out, it's peanuts. <laughs> I don't have a timeline for you, but I promise to update you as we go, as per our honesty policy. This is not gonna be like a donation request that's full of guilt. We don't, we approach giving very differently here. <laughs> uh, there's no shame or guilt or fear or special God points if you donate something to a different church. This is what we say, and please hear me when I say that I truly mean this in my soul. If you believe in what we're doing, if different church is meaningful to you and has brought any comfort or delight or acceptance or affirmation or hope or faith or belonging into your life, then we could use your support. But support us because you want to, not because you have to, not because God will be mad at you if you don't. Support us because your life would be missing something if different weren't here. Support us because you believe in our mission of trying to make an actually safe space for all people to follow Jesus and explore faith. And we will go together into the future with our hearts open to healing and our arms open to support each other and our spirits open to the transformation that God has set before us as a beautiful and holy gift. I have to get off the stage because I'm a mess. <laughs> we have two more songs, so if you want to stand with us, um, and then I'll come back afterwards. Glory. 
This is brave, this is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me. 